0: It's that time,
1: everything and anything basketball, presented by The Outrage, with Cajun Sirotani Castleman and host
0: Spencer Byers, this is Polar Opposites.
1: Welcome everyone, Polar Opposites back again, a little later than Cajun and I would have hoped, but We're back again. Spencer Byers, Cajun, Theru, Thanny Castle. And Cajun, the reason why we postponed, I'll say so long, but postponed in general, is very specific. The trade deadline was happening on Thursday at 3 o'clock. I worked at 3 o'clock. So we couldn't record it after the trade deadline. We would have had to have done it before. You thought we should do it after, and we've struggled to find a time after the trade deadline to do it. We finally found some time, so here we are. So I'm taking us all the way back to the beginning of February. February 1st, a small deal happened, but a deal that's going to matter next year. The Rockets acquired Steven Adams from yep. the, from the uh, Memphis Grizzlies for Victor Oladipo and three second-round picks. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one because it's a week in the past, and I think we technically recorded after this one had already happened. but I think with all the trades we're talking about, we might as well talk about this one just a little bit, Cage. I like what the Rockets got because Oladipo is a chronically injured player. Sad, sad to say. You mm-hmm. only give up three second round picks for a center that is rather good. Like, he really did help that Grizzlies team to Steven Adams, in my opinion. So, I do like to trade for the Rockets. Culture-wise, it's a great deal. And, like, he's,
2: they've gotten, he's gotten some familiarity with, with some of the rockets players in particular dylan brooks who was on the grizzlies the season prior my only question is can he stay healthy because he has been injury plagued but if you only had to give up victor oladipo and three second round picks in which the grizzlies waived oladipo right after um it's not a bad deal for houston culture wise uh, this is a culture move this is a culture move and to set a tone that nobody's messing around with the Rockets and disrespecting the Rockets, and I like this move. I, and, I think and, Adams gives them a bit of tough, like, a lot of toughness, and it's going to pay div. It may not
1: pay dividends this season, but if he's healthy next season, it definitely will pay dividends. And in, in, in the inverse for the Grizzlies, it's trading two, it's trading injured player for injured player, and picking up three second-round picks. It's to accumulate picks on a year that has become a wash for the Grizzlies, obviously losing John ja Morant for the first 25 games. He comes back for, I think it was not even 10 games, I like think he played eight, and now he's hurt again for the season, I think it was shoulder surgery, is yeah. Jaw's injury. So, you know, the Grizzlies season's been a wash, it's now going to be a wash without John ja Um, They have gotten a lot better since Jaw came back, and even since he's been out, they played better. Than they did to start the season, but it still looks like they're not going to be in the play-in. They may be in the play-in conversation, but at this point, they're still a little bit ways away. Now beginning to trade deadline ish, again it was on the eighth, so looking at the seventh of February, the Celtics make their big move. Basically, their only their only real move. They pick up Xavier Tillman from the like Memphis the way-
2: Grizzlies. It adds a it, it adds like a side of physicality
1: that the Celtics never really had. they get Tillman, they lose Lamar Stevenson, they give up two second-round picks in 2027 and 2030, neither of which are their draft picks. One is the 2027 is the Hawks, and the 2030 is Dallas, the Mavericks. So, you were saying, Cage, you you like it for the Celtics? I like it for the Celtics. It gives them a hint of
2: nastiness and physicality, something in which Boston's bigs really didn't are known for, even though Hor- even though Horford and Porzingis are great defenders, they don't provide that physicality
1: factor. Tillman does that. Well, and you've also still got Luke Cornette on the bench and and etc. So he kind of fills in a, a another big man hole if they need him to. Even though it's he the, is undersized at six eight, well, his length a, and a his a defensive acumen sort of does at, help.
2: It's a it's a different sort of look
0: to throw at other teams because. Most of their bigs are floor stretchers, so kind of kind of like a dose of unpredictability, which you need in the playoffs. So I like the move, and
2: and like Tillman can be used in like situational for situational purposes, and in order to win a championship, you
1: need situational guys. In the beginning of the Detroit trades on February 7th, they trade Monte Morris, and they receive Troy Brown Jr., Shaq Milton, and a 20-30 second-round pick from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Cage, uh, I'd say basically a nothing trade, but obviously Timberwolves get the best player. Well, yeah, Timberwolves needed a point guard. Like,
2: Timberwolves needed a backup point guard. Like, someone to, like, get into their offensive sets more. Like, they... They still got Mike
0: Conley and whatnot, but it's just they and the Timberwolves don't play very smart on offense,
2: and they needed a game manager. They needed another game manager, and Monte Morris provides exactly that, barring if he's healthy. I wanna no. say they play like a bunch of dumb bleeps on
1: offense, but hey. Especially down the stretch, but that's just me. Well, Detroit made another trade. They trade Kevin Knox in a second-round pick and the rights to a draft pick that has not, I assume, come over from Europe yet. And, Cage, I want you to say this player's name because I'm definitely not going to say it right, but it's Simone. Simone Fontecchio? Fontecchio, there you go. I didn't know what side of the pond he's from, so I didn't know Italian, where, where that would go. I well, let's see. That also could have went a couple ways with the Italians, but Fontecchio going to... The Pistons, and other just, I would again, I would say nothing trade, but I think again, it's just getting a little bit older for a very young, youthful Pistons team. Oh, Fontecchio
2: made a name for himself for the Jazz, like starting for them and being a floor stretching the floor for them. So the Pistons definitely kept that in mind, thinking that he might play a big role for their. For their team down the line. So, only time will tell for that one. And then when I... The Cavs away a starter.
1: Someone who was starting for them, too. Well, we're going to skip over the Corey Joseph trade, Cage. Because it literally is just a cap dump for the Warriors. Basically just trading second-round picks to get rid of the contract to Corey Joseph. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the Pistons and Sixers trade for Daniel House, Jr., now to the Raptors, and this is uh, some of these trades were on February eighth on the deadline day. On deadline day, the Raptors receive Kelly O'Linick, Canadian, and Oche Abaji for Otto Porter Jr., Kaya Lewis Jr., and a twenty twenty four first round pick, which I believe will be the worst of their litany of first round picks it could be, which is like the Clippers, the Mavs, and a couple other teams. So, so. You were confused about what Masai was doing. I was. Okay, I we're gonna get to a couple other trades that Masai decided to make, and I was. I'm very confused. I I a lot of sideways, sideways moves here. I
2: wasn't confused about this one because this draft.
1: It's been said that it is it's the worst, worst of a decade. It, it's it's been theorized this draft may be the worst we've had in the past decade, at least. Yeah. And they
2: already have three first-round draft picks in this draft, plus a second-round draft pick that is effectively 31st. So the worst of the first-round draft picks, if it's OKC, it might effectively be 28th or 29th. And looking at it now, you trade away two guys that didn't even get on the floor for the Raps and Otto Porter Jr. and Kyra Lewis Jr. Um for Kelly Olynyk, albeit he's on an expiring, and then you trade away a late first-round pick who might not amount, who may or may not amount to anything in the league, for a first-round pick last season, and Oche Adebayo, and see what he can provide for you. He provided he 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 was big for the he was big for the Kansas Jayhawks and their run to the title. He had an uneven rookie year and still an uneven second year but there's there's some talent there's some talent left in, there's some talent in that kid and I think getting him would be more of an upgrade from who would isn't would be more likely of an upgrade than who they would have drafted in the first round
1: 23 years young is Oche who you mentioned did win the national championship his last year in at college with Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks he is an older rook, or an older guy, though, because again he's 23, only in his second year in the NBA, because he played, I'm going to say it was three years at least at Kansas. So that also does kind of play into the ceiling of a guy like Oche, normally, than guys who are one and done like Scotty. But, you know, I'm not going to act like the Raptors lost this trade, because I don't think they did. But it really confused me, because... They sell and then you get rid of first round pick. And I'm not arguing that Oche Abaji's not bad, could not could be better than the first round pick you gave up. But usually Cage, I believe in what kind of uh, we'll get to it a little bit later with the OKC Thunder. What coach, what Sam Presti does is just get so many first round picks where you can't miss everyone. If you get enough kicks at the can cage, eventually you're gonna hit one. You know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. rather have you rather have as many bullets as you got to be able to hit your target. Yeah. And I think getting rid of a bullet for a guy that's a maybe that has shown flashes but has never really tapped it, that kind of worries me. But maybe that's just me. And then obviously Olinick is a finished product, as, and is basically just a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Now skipping over another trade that means nothing with the Bucks getting rid of Robin Lopez, another cap dump. The Dallas Mavericks made a semi-big move. They pick up Daniel Gaff- uh, Gafford for Richard Holmes. And a 2024 first round pick that is from the Mavs via the Thunder. So a big upgrade at center, you'd say, for the Mavs, even though they've got Derek Lively. Gafford has a lot more offensive potential for the Mavericks, who are a team that is very much leaning into the offensive potential of this team.
2: Well, they also they also made another trade getting um my favorite, one of my favorite fantasy players
0: in PJ Washington Jr.
1: And okay, we'll get into that, and we'll get into the one later, but Gafford for now. <laughs> um,
2: for Luka Doncic, this screams music to his ears because he loves playing with room runners. Derek Lively. Is effectively a rim runner right now, could be better down the line, but he's also a rookie. Gaff has been like that his entire career. And um, for 48 minutes, you're like, Luke is going to be playing with a rim runner. And that kind of adds, and defensively, that adds a different sort of wrinkle to the Mavs team. It makes them better defensively. And they didn't really have to give up much to do so. Like, they gave up Rashawn Holmes, who really wasn't playing for them. And Gafford has come a long way since his early days with the Chicago Bulls. He's added a lot more layers to his offensive game during his time with the Wizards. Um,
0: defensively, he's still that guy. And yeah, they.
2: but it also signals that they're going all in during these year during these next two, three, four years, my only question is: Is that going to be
0: enough to get out of the West for what they gave up?
1: Definitely more of an all-in move for the Mavs. Obviously, I love Gafford; he's on my fantasy team. He's adding that fantasy value to me. And we're coming up to two more Celtics trades that don't really mean much, but is it interesting nevertheless? The Celtics receive a protected second round pick and they give away Delanto Bant- Banton and some cash consideration. So a cap dump to the Blazers. And then Jaden Springer. Springer makes his way to Boston from Philadelphia for a 2024 second round pick. And this was an interesting one cage because Jaden Springer was a 2021 first round pick. He's played is, I believe is his third year in the NBA for this young man. And from all the reports I've been reading on him, yeah, this is his third season in the NBA, from all the things I've been reading, Cage, is offensively he's limited. 21% from three this year on about one attempt a game. His field goal percentage is below 40% at this current point. He's not got a lot of offensive go. But defensively, he's solid. And that's why the Celtics picked him up. He's a big six foot four guard that probably can guard, you'd say, one to three, depending on the team you're playing. And as a guy off the bench, that's all the Celtics can ask for. There's a reason why they picked up, you know, um, my brain now blanking.
0: There's a reason why the Celtics picked up. Why can I remember
1: it, Cage? Tell me? Yeah, why they picked up Tillman. There you go. Is because of defense. The Celtics are trying to get better defensively. Because the offense already figured out. You've got Porzingis. You've got Tatum. You've got Brown. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got all these other... And even Drew Holiday. You've got all these very talented offensive players. D. White even can have a good night and score 30. You don't need any more d- offensive guys. you got Peyton Pritchard off the bench. You've got offense set. Getting more defensive guys... For when you're down the stretch and need to stop, I think that's very important. The Celtics, I think, did a great job at solidifying the bench defense. That as much as the Celtics defense has been good this year, you always can get better. Yeah. And then I want to mention something here, Cage. So the Mavs and Thunder made a trade, and this was a part of a a massive... Another swing we're going to talk about later is the Mavs and Thunder trade a first-round pick. So the Mavs got the 2024 first-round pick as you heard earlier, which went to um, with the Wizards. That mm-hmm. Thunder first-round pick they got that earlier in or later earlier in the day for a 2028 first-round pick swap between the Thunder and the Mavs. So Sam Presti doing his magic again. This first-round pick is probably going to be as you said, Cage in the you know late 20s, and now. He gets a 2028 20, 20 pick swap with a team that we don't know what they're going to look like in four years. And they added, and I don't even think that's the best move the Thunder made during the trade deadline. Oh no, they they get they made I think well, at least one other good move, but we'll get into that in a second. The uh, Bucks trade for Patrick Beverly. Beverly. The Sixers trade away Cam- or perceive Cameron Payne and a 2027 20, second round pick. Everyone's been talking about how this basically seems like a Doc Rivers move. I don't disagree with that, but I do think that is overlooking what's been a glaring problem for the Bucs, which is their defense has been garbage. Their Mm -hmm. defense has been exponentially worse, uh, plugging in Lillard and plugging out Drew Holiday. So Mm -hmm. I think Patrick Beverly, as much as it does seem like it fits the new coach, Doc Rivers, I think it's even more so... We suck at defense. We need somebody to be a stopper. Patrick Beverly's a stopper. We're going to get Patrick Beverly. And he's not going to cost us an arm and a leg to get this stopper. Yeah. And he already has that relationship with Giannis. He spoke on his podcast how he said we talked about Giannis wanting smoke and then and then, you know, he sat out a game or something, and then the next game they were playing against each other. Giannis is on the floor like, "Patrick, I or, you know, Pat, n- no smoke. I n- I know Skip smoke. No smoke." Which I think is hilarious. But you know, there's that relationship there with your best player in Milwaukee. This just seems like a trade of the Bucs suck at defense, and they got one of the best defensive guards in the NBA.
0: Mm-hmm. That they did. That they did. And
2: it's kind of hilarious that like he got traded to the Lakers, had beef with Westbrook. And they had to put that aside. Like it's funny how he gets traded to like the teams of like the players that he doesn't get really get along with. Like it's been like said like he doesn't really get along with Lillard. He didn't really get along with Lillard too. So it's kind of funny in that sense. But you're right. The Bucks
1: a defense. Their defense is pu stinky trash. Yeah, it has not been good. Um, there's a reason why they fired their rookie head coach after 40 games when he's what gone what 30 and 11.
2: Yeah, but they replaced him with Glenn Rivers, like your favorite head coach
1: in the NBA, but continue. Huh? Your favorite your favorite coach in the NBA, but continue.
2: You, you know you know what you know what what would make you pull your hair out? Your favorite my favorite coach in the NBA with your favorite player in the NBA. Coaching your favorite player in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns.
1: Yo, you know how happy that would make me? That that I means they would win nothing. They would win nothing. There'd be nothing won. Down there in uh, Minnesota, if if Doc Rivers went there, but anyway, you mean Glenn? He ain't no Doc. Uh, I'm going by the name that everyone else knows him by. They're Cajun, okay. I understand you love government names. We've done that. We've we've played that, okay. No, we've he just he
2: that. just it's not even that. He's just not a Doc. What has he fixed? Man, uh, man got carried uh, to that 2008 head. Okay, field. before, like, before, before you mind. before
1: you go too far into the deep end on the Bucs' coaching hires. Like the Patrick Beverly move to the Bucks, I'm not sure if you said that yet, it's obviously I do i I do I do
2: um they need defense, Patrick Beverly, even though he's a little bit on the older side,
1: provides that defensive spark and cage, this was the trade that really confused me. so the first one, I was confused because you got rid of the first round pick. This trade really confused me. The Nets received Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. The Raptors receive Spencer Dimwitty. No, they don't. They waive Spencer Dimwitty. He's probably going to go to the Lakers, it looks like. So the Raptors receive nothing, and they trade Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. So you basically just a cap dump. It's just a cap dump at that point.
0: You
2: would have to think it's a cap dump or flexibility, and they're trying to look for something during the offseason. Because to be honest, that didn't make sense for me either. But like, just trying to make sense of what the Raptors are doing.
1: See, like getting rid of Thaddeus Young makes sense because like Grady Dick, you got, you got guys that are younger on the bench that you want to give minutes to that Thad Young might take away from. And the team's not very good, so there's no point having veterans that they're not going to help you in that way. But the shrewder trade, the part of that trade just didn't make any sense to me Un- unless it is just trying to have flexibility going into next summer. But at this point, again, Cage, I just look at the Raptors and I go, but who's going to want to come to Toronto? Like who can you lure away with a max contract? I don't know. Like, I just don't see Toronto as a desirable place to play for an NBA player.
2: Well, that there's other me. factors outside of the NBA that, like, play into that, too, compared to any other
0: team. With, with like, work permits,
2: the so-called ta- taxes, like, there's other factors, too, that play against that. That that. play against that. So there are guys that do want to play in Toronto. But in terms of, like, stars, superstars, that's a completely different topic.
1: Well, I, I do think that, again, it was just a, a move, because now that does give them the cap space to make a, a max deal this coming summer if they can find the guy that wants to come to Toronto for a max. Mm-hmm. But now moving and on, they still, to, and they still but, got,
2: and they still can get a first-round pick for Bruce Brown.
1: No, well, maybe, but they kept Bruce Brown through the the through the um deadline, which was kind of a surprise. But Bruce Brown will now be basically the sixth man for the Raptors from here on out. He went for he went from being the starter on a pretty good Pacers team to being the sixth man on a pretty mediocre Raptors team. So he must be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, he's got a ring. Ironically, being the sixth man. But anyway, moving on to maybe the biggest trade of the day, maybe second, depending on what side of the French you're on, Cage. The New York Knickerbockers pick up Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich from the Detroit Pistons, who receive, and here's the litany, Cage. Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Quinton Grimes. Not reading the the fourth name. Two future second-round picks. And cash consideration.
2: Let me. I got. I gotta see what the fourth name is.
1: Ryan Archidiacono? Archie Diacano. Brian Archie That's how you pronounce that. Archidiacono. You don't know about Villanova, the Villanova legend. Okay. Now I gotta be honest here. I don't like Villanova coach Wright. Just didn't never really, you know, turn my crank. If 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 you know what I mean. So okay. I wasn't a big fan of Villanova, so no, I did not know. But our, I remember DiVincenzo. I don't remember diacono
2: He passed it, but he passed it to Chris Jenkins for the game-winning three against North Carolina. So Euro. he
1: was the passer on the shot that he shot from 40 feet. Okay, that's like saying the guy who passed the ball to Lillard on the inbound when he hit that 40-foot over PG. No one knows who that is. No one cares who that is. But anyway, anyway. In the basically, great- this trade nobody cares. But with nobody with all with all of these names in mind for the Pistons, the the two main ads are the two first future second round picks and Quentin Grimes. As much as I like Malachi Flynn, I don't know what he brings anymore to the Pistons, especially. But the trade's basically Quentin Grimes and two second round picks for Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich.
2: I feel which, like adding the legend Ryan Archie Diakono is a pretty big deal in itself. But hey, that's just me. That is just you. So Cage, <laughs> who do you
0: think won this trade? The Knicks. Do you think it's close? It's not even close. Like,
2: sure, like, it's a win for the Pistons because they got rid of veterans and they
0: got younger. And they can see what Quentin Grimes can do for them. But if you're the Knicks, you went from maybe they can make the Eastern Conference Finals
2: to if they're healthy, they might make the finals. <laughs> okay,
0: Cage. Oh okay. it's not it's not as far fetched now.
2: It's not as far fetched now. Like if things go right, they could make the finals.
0: Cause think about the, think about it this way. So When they're starting, when the start or you would think like if they're healthy,
2: the starters would be Jalen Brunson. Um, one of either D, you would think Devin starts.
0: The way he's been playing, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson once he comes back.
2: And it's been said he could come back um, near the end of the regular season. And then coming off the bench, you got somebody like Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, Josh Hart. Um, you can play Miles McBride or Precious Achua for stretches. And then you got Isaiah Hartenstein. That Knicks team... All of a sudden has shooting, defense, a bunch of nastiness compared to the, like, in comparison to the
0: 90s Knicks who who were really good. They just, they got a lot better. They got a lot better.
2: And if things go right, and if, and if a play-in team like Miami could make the finals, it's not far-fetched to say the Knicks could do the same thing. Because this I,
0: team, because this Knicks team,
1: I'm sorry, like is better than last year's Miami Heat team. Uh, I never argued that. I I always said Miami's team sucked last year. I was yeah. I was on that bandwagon, and I'm not I'm not even mad because they beat the Celtics. Because that is true. I watched that game. I watched that series. Some of it. I was mad during the entire thing because that series should not have been close other than Jimmy Butler playing in well in the playoffs and playing garbage for the first 82 games of his season, depending on if he plays the full 82, which he never does, but, you know, close enough. But, you know, anyway, I don't argue that. I think there's a lot of really good, really good teams in the East now, Cage. There's a lot of teams in the East where you're like, the Celtics are not going to have an easy run to the to the to the finals if the Celtics are the team to go. Like, the uh, the Cavaliers have been an absolute heater with Todd of Mitchell playing out of his mind. Milwaukee's healthy Milwaukee. Milwaukee's Milwaukee. You know, the Knicks, you just got, as you mentioned, better, and they're already fourth. The Sixers are fifth right now in the NBA with 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 uh, last year's MVP, Joel Embiid, who I think now can't get it because of his new injury with the meniscus, which also might help a free fall in Philly without their best player. The Pacers are sixth. Like, the East is not going to be an easy road for the Celtics. Mm. Not an easy road for anybody, to be honest. Though I wouldn't be even su- say I'm surprised if there's an upset or two in the first round in the East, just because there's a lot of really good teams. Yeah. Not a whole lot of of separating between them. It's not a whole lot of the cream and a lot of the, the chaff, you know, from the, from the wheat, there's just a lot of wheat. So we'll see, I guess who plays better on the day kind of thing. In my opinion. Yeah. Because honestly, Cage, I still like Orlando in the eighth spot right now in the East. And they're obviously in the play-in, as you heard, they're in the eighth spot. But they were as high as, I think, third earlier this year. I think they were battling the Celtics for first earlier this year during yep. the play-in especially. So as much as they've fallen off a lot recently, like they still have the potential to be a very good team. And
2: then there's Indiana.
1: As I have, and obviously the Heat, seventh spot right now in the East. Brooklyn still in the mix. Not big fan of Atlanta. Not a big fan of Chicago, but they're right now still in the mix and still have a lot of scores. Might You want to talk
2: about? Okay, okay,
1: okay, okay. You want to talk about being
2: confused? What are the Bulls doing? We'll get to it. We'll we'll get to it. Cause what I I saw this. This is the third straight trade
1: deadline in which they didn't make any trades. Third straight year. Cage, cage. We'll, well, well, we'll let you. We'll let you sink your teeth into that one. Just let's finally finish all these trades. So I think we have got about five left trades left. Four or five trades left. Well, the next one is, I'd argue, another really big trade. The Thunder add Gordon Hayward. The talk chron- about chronically injured Gordon Hayward. The Hornets receive Trey Mann. Dennis Bertans, a second round pick via the Rockets in 2024, a second round pick via the Sixers in 2025, and a former, I think, first round pick in Miich is how I'm going to pronounce that. Second round pick, late second round pick, might I add. Mm-hmm. And he has just come over as a rookie, and he is 30. So again, he is a an overseas player. But He's old man. He, he is. He he. That he is. But honestly, Kedge, I love this trade for Sam Presti. You don't lose any of that disgusting litany of picks they've got. Really, you trade maybe Trey Mann as the best actual piece as a player yep. to the Hornets, and you get Gordon Hayward, who when he's healthy is fantastic.
2: Like so Like he can average fifteen, five and five a night.
1: If he's healthy, I think even more than that. But you know, like exactly, (laughs) and adds a litany
2: of playoff and adds playoff experience to a Thunder team that,
0: as good as they are, they don't have much playoff experience. Um.
2: So yeah, it's a great it's a great move for OKC. They just got deeper, um, they got more experienced, and the best part about it is Hayward's an expiring contract. So if it doesn't work out,
1: just move on and get all that money back for the summer if they want to try to sign somebody to put him beside Shea Gildas, Alexander, yep. their star, their shining light down there in Oklahoma. Yep. Now moving on to an absolutely massive trade, just with the litany of players. The Phoenix Suns acquire Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. The Grizzlies, who traded Roddy to the Suns, get a 2026 first-round pick from the Suns. They get Shemetsi Metwu. Shemetsi Yut- Metwu? Yeah, Methu. And Yot- uh, Yuta Watanabe. And the Nets, who are also in this deal somehow get uh, Bates Diop, Jordan Goodwin, the rights to a a player, and three future second-round picks. Now, we talked a lot about the Suns, especially earlier in the season, Cage, about their bench being kind of garbo. This Mm -hmm. is a big trade for their bench, getting two guys like Roddy and O'Neal that are going to be bench players. Yep. And
2: Rostineal's had experience playing with KD, so he knows how it is. Um. It's a shrewd move for it's a shrewd move for the Suns. Didn't really have to give up too much, um. Although they did play Kita Kita Bates Diop for like a good bit too, but it's a good deal for this team. It's a good it's a great deal for for the Suns. And it's good. that The Grizzlies got a first round pick out of it, but. To trade away Melton out of like eventually trade away Melton like two years ago for like to give minutes to Roddy and then trade him away and it's like eh.
0: but that's beside the point. Um, and and for the Nets they get draft capital.
1: They get draft capital. Yeah, Yeah, the Nets only actually traded away Royce O'Neal. That's the only thing they traded away. Yeah. And they got three players, including one draft rights, and then two actual players, and three future second-round picks. So, like, the Nets got pretty good value for a bench guy. They did.
0: They did, albeit a very valued
1: bench guy, a very valued role role player in Royce O'Neal. Well, another three-team <laughs> trade—the second last of all the litany of trades we're going to talk about before we get—we have our winners and losers. The Philadelphia 76ers finally made their swing. They pick up Buddy Hield from the Indiana Pacers. The years? Pacers get Cork mass Doug McDermott. That's Furkan Dork Maz, or Cork mass Pardon me, Doug well, McDermott. 2024 second-round pick via the Raptors. That'll probably be a. a Uh, earlier second-round pick, 2029 for a second-round pick from the Blazers. So that'll be interesting to see where they are in in five years. Cash considerations from the Sixers. And then the Spurs, who traded McDermott to the Pacers, they pick up Marcus Morris, who's from the Sixers, a second-round pick via the L.A. Clippers, and cash considerations. So, Cage, I think the obvious, the obvious winner is the Sixers. They get the best player in the deal. I'm not sure I like this trade for the Pacers. And the Spurs don't really lose anything and pick up a second-round pick in the future, which is from a team in the Clippers who, in five years, may not be very good.
0: hmm Well... Fairly,
2: aside from Max, he didn't really have much in the way of three-point shooting. This solves this with Buddy Heald. And I guess McDermott kind of knows the system to a degree. But
0: they also waived cork moss too, so... It doesn't really make much sense for the Pacers.
1: I just don't think they got maximum value for a guy like Buddy Heald, who has been on the trade block in Indiana for what feels like forever. Forever. Uh hmm and, and maybe that's, I'll say one thing, I won't say that. Maybe that's just me because I feel like that, that should be a pretty easy sentiment. But um, I will mention with, again, with us recording this somewhat like two days after the trade deadline finished, Heald's already played one game for the Sixers. He played small forward. He started, he had 20 points, four rebounds, and six assists in a 127 121 loss to the Atlanta Hawks. And again, the, the Sixers are without Joel Embiid, so they are. Rather struggling without their best player. And Maxie was also out due to illness. So they were very, very battered and bruised for that loss against Indiana. Hmm. Now moving on to the last trade cage. You already kind of gave it away, but you know what? I'll do it anyway. The Mavericks pick up P.J. Washington from the Charlotte Hornets. Or and they also it? pick up a second-round pick in 2024, and a second-round pick in 2028. Now go ahead, Cage, with your quip. And, uh, or as I like to call him, because whenever I seem to pick him up in fantasy, he drops 40-plus, 40-point games. MJ Washington. Ironically a joke, because the Hornets used to be owned by uh, MJ, Michael Jordan. The Hornets (laughs) received Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a 2027 first-round pick. Now, Cage... I love Grant Williams, former Celtic. He's limited athletically, which is why he's, he's probably going to struggle in other places because he does. he's not a top-tier athlete, but he is a very good defender with that being said and is a pretty good floor spacer with that being said. But the Mavs win this deal because P.J. Washington is a very good player, and he should flourish with his new club.
0: Mm. He he should
2: and he's he's away from the the the
0: basketball purgatory that is the Charlotte Hornets. Um and he he
2: he's now on a better team with two guys who, who could feed him the ball better in in um, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving.
0: Um, And you just love to see it. You just, like, P.J. Washington's going to add a
2: different sort of wrinkle to that Dallas offense, and he can play a little bit of defense, too, whether it's at the four or the five. My only problem is that 27, 27 first-round pick is top two lightly protected. So depending on
0: what, happens with dallas that could backfire in a big way
1: i will mention it looks like that new lineup's going to also play tonight as we record this on saturday so we'll see what the new look dallas mavericks can look like with gafford and washington in the rotation implying they do make their their first appearances with the new club tonight i assume they will but regardless, so, Cage, that is all of the trades, all the big trades, at least, from the NBA trade deadline. So we will say winners and losers, Cage. Who would you say the winner, winner or winners are, for in your opinion, for the trade deadline? The New York Knicks.
0: They got better exponentially to the point where... You laughed at it, but they could they could
2: very well, like, if things work out right for them they couldn't make the NBA finals. They're they're they they're they're I wouldn't say they were a top tier contender, but they're just a rung below it. They're very close to that level now. And these moves and they didn't really have to they didn't really have to give up a first round pick to get these guys. To get Burke to get Bogdanovich to get Ananobi before like New York, New York Knicks, by far the clear winner of this trade deadline, they got better. I think well, the secondary winner would have to be the Boston Celtics because they got Jaden Springer, which made no sense why Philly traded him in the first place, and then Xavier Tillman. They got better
1: defense and better versatility. Well, for me, the the winner I'm looking at right now I think it's got to be Dallas. When you add two really good, I'll say bigs, because PJ's also played center at points, even though he's very undersized, when you get two guys that can space the floor in, in Washington specifically, but also Gafford, who's a rim runner, both play the pick and roll with Doncic. you've already got Kyrie and Luka, of course. Right now in the eighth spot in the West, they're I mean, only two games back of fifth, which is the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. So they're within striking distance of actually making the playoffs and having to play in the play-in, which I think right now should be the goal for Dallas, to get out of the play-in, make it to the playoffs, and then just try to figure out if you want to play the Clippers, if you want to play the Thunder, if you do want to be the team, you know, because right now the problem would be if you get to sixth, you play LA. You get to fifth, you play Denver. If you happen to be a play-in team, you get to play either Minnesota or OKC. Now I'm not saying you want to play the higher seeds over the lower seeds, but the lower seeds are way more experienced. Which is a worry. You'd say. But I do like Dallas's trade deadline. I think I think they got quite a bit better, especially in places where they needed to get better and get a little more experienced. Where no offense to Derek Lively, but he is a rookie. Give him a little time to develop and and not be have to be you know, the guy yet, let him just kind of coast and be another guy. And I'll also be honest case. I mean, they only made one, one real trade, but the pick swap with Dallas kicking that can down the road in a draft that's that, that allegedly sucks this year to kicking that can down the road and getting another pick swap in 2028, adding to their just ridiculous amount of draft picks. And they pick up Gordon Hayward for no, for no offense to Trey Mann, but not a whole lot. And yeah, Gordon Hayward's injured right now, and yeah, he's got to get healthy and got to stay healthy, which he has not been able to do. But the Thunder don't need Gordon Hayward, which I think is the massive problem here. Gordon Hayward's not going to start for the OKC Thunder. Gordon Hayward's not going to be expected to do all of the things the Charlotte Hornets expected him to do, the Boston Celtics expected him to do, the the Utah Jazz expected him to do. That's just not the role he's going to have in OKC, I don't think. So him having a bench role... Being a guy that can be a spark plug off the bench for this Thunder team and having the litany of experience he's got, I think is going to pay dividends to a team that is very inexperienced, especially when it comes to the postseason. So I like the Thunders trade deadline. I like the Dallas trade deadline. So ironically, I went to West teams. You went to East teams. Mm -hmm. So now let's go to losers of the trade deadline cage. Who would you say you think are the biggest who may have had the biggest duds on the on the day? And you cannot say a team who didn't make a trade. Pick a team who made a trade. We'll talk about the teams who didn't make a trade after.
2: Damn it! That's yeah, a you, you,
1: Yeah, I know. I knew. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna cheat. Had to pick a team who made a trade. Who made you? Who do you think got exponentially worse without getting enough draft capital to counterbalance it or whatever? Just don't pick a team who didn't make a trade. We'll get into that after.
0: Hmm. When I want to say the Pacers. Can't really argue that. Because you gave up a
2: lot of draft capital to get a expiring deal in Siakam.
0: And now you just traded away Buddy Heald for not really much of anything. Um, so... And then you added Corey Joseph
2: and then waived him in the process. Oh uh, well, yeah, he
1: was just like he was just a cap dump from the uh Warriors,
0: yeah, pretty much um Obviously, Heald wasn't gonna get a contract extension um. Obviously, obviously, like
2: Pacers are probably thinking long term here because you got guys like Nemhard, Halliburton still young, Benedict Matherin's there. But short term wise, I kind of want to say they got worse.
0: And even maybe another, maybe another loser of the trade deadline could be Philly.
2: cuz they traded away Patrick Beverly, they traded away Daniel House. They sure they got Buddy Hield,
1: but the Springer trade made no sense personally made no sense for me. Yeah, trading away a first round pick, former first round pick back in 2021 for just a second round pick.
0: And
2: are those moves going to be enough when or if Joel Embiid comes back? To me,
0: I don't know. So, yeah, like, to me, my two losers could be are ironically two
1: East teams in Philly and Indiana. Well, I think I'm going to pick one East team and one West team, so I will continue to give the West some love. I'm going to start off, honestly, with the Hornets, because you trade away P.J. Washington, you trade away, you know, Gordon Hayward, and the best young player they got, who I do like in Trey Mann... They didn't get like a top first round pick, you know. They got a 2027 first round pick from Washington, but they didn't get any like top tier prospects or top tier young guys. They didn't get any top tier draft picks. They just got a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying that you know Trey Mann can't become a game changer, or or that that, that he can't use that you know the uh, the the first round pick they got from uh, Dallas in 2027 when it when it matters, or the second round pick they can hit. I just don't think they got maximum value for those two guys. And they didn't trade with their biggest piece, and Miles Bridges, who we all talked about the off-the-court issue we talked about early, earlier, Cage, and how you and I don't even think he should be playing right now. But the reality is, Cage, he's playing, and playing really well. Like, mm-hmm. obje- like unobjectively, Miles Bridges has been the best Hornet this year, and he wasn't traded, even with all the baggage, even well, with all the things that go well, around him stay, in that circle. Well,
2: the thing is, he wanted to stay in
0: Charlotte and was going to veto any trades. So that kind of didn't really help help things out there.
1: No, I guess I guess that is fair, but still I think you should sure try at least try to shake that tree. And the other team honestly cage because they made a couple lateral moves and a couple moves that just don't make much sense to me. Memphis. You trade Tillman, that's fine. You know, you get, you get some, you know, you get some okay draft capital from the Celtics. That's not bad and some second round picks that are kicked down, kick the can down the, down the chute, down to the future. Yeah. But then they are a part of this three team trade where they get a pick swap with the Suns in 2026, who you'd still expect to be good. Now, even if Kevin Durant leaves, you still got Devin Booker. You still got Bradley Beal. They don't get any young guys at all. And they trade with one of their young guys and David Roddy. Like, and again, the team is not good. The Grizzlies are probably not going to be a playoff team this year. They're right now 14th in the West. They are eight games, seven and a half games away from the Utah Jazz for the 10th spot in the play-in. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. John Moran's done for the year. This year's a wash. Why are you trading away not only just young guys, but you know, why are you trading away guys that can help you? down the line that are not old Tillman's not old Roddy's a young guy you know and not getting anything really back that mm. doesn't make much sense to me I thought I think that they should have done a little more trying to get some more draft capital the Adams trade I like but that's still a nothing trade because Adams is hurt Oladipo is hurt and then you said waived so it's just basically the second round picks like I just think they should have done more because this season is going to be a wash, and they need to build around John Morant, and they need to find a way to build more for John Morant when he comes back, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So those would be my two losers, Memphis and Charlotte. No, you're right. And now, Cage, we're going to talk about teams that didn't make any moves. So oh. I think the two big ones, Cage, I don't know which one you were going to say, so I'll give you both. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors did a whole lot of nothing on the trade deadline. They did a lot of watching.
2: The third team did that, the
1: Chicago Bulls. As you mentioned earlier, didn't do anything. The Miami Heat didn't do anything. The Cleveland Cavaliers didn't do anything. But I would argue with the Cleveland—I would argue with Cleveland— or Denver. Denver didn't do anything. Sacramento didn't do anything. Just a couple other teams that didn't end up making a move on the deadline day cage. And I will mention right now, as we're talking, Dinwiddie will be signed by the Los Angeles Lakers once he is waived by the Raptors.
2: Well, see, I was watching that Pelicans-Lakers game, and I saw Dinwiddie next to Rob Pelinka, and I'm like, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, he, he, he is now
1: a Laker once he <laughs> clears waivers. It did, it did not need to be officially announced. The minute you saw that, I'm like, yeah, he's going to the Lakers. But, but in spite of that, they still didn't trade for Dimwitty. They're signing him off of waivers. They're signing him from as a free agent after he clears waivers. So again, Cage, which team do you think should have made a move this this trade deadline? Out of the litany of teams who didn't end up doing anything, staying pat for better or for worse? Oh, it's that's easy. Easy decision for me. The Bulls. What are they doing?
0: What are they doing? Like
2: I know they got some young pieces in Patrick Williams. Kobe White's gotten a hell of a lot better. Um But what are these guys doing? They're not very good. They were at best a playing team. Why are you guys and ownership was preparing ticks to like approve a rebuild but our tourist, um the Bulls president of operations didn't want to go that way I'm like that's three and, and it's been three years in which they haven't done a deal like we all see that even though the Bulls have really played some good basketball as a late at best they're They're a first round exit. And that's the worst position to be in. By any, if you're any NBA team, you're not good enough to win games, but you're not bad enough to lose. And right now, the Bulls are in that position. And maybe they're waiting on Lonzo Ball to be Lonzo Ball,
0: but I can't, you can't, you can't bet on that. Like, I don't know what the Bulls are doing. I really don't know what the Bulls are doing.
1: I also cannot say I know what the Bulls are doing, to be completely honest with you, because they have a team that isn't very good. They have two ball-dominant scoring guards that have not really played well together in Levine and um, DeRozan. Mm -hmm. And they're a team in the play-in right now but you have that feeling they're not going to do much in the play-in once it begins. Oh, no, and they're... they've also had Cody White, who's played out of his mind since hitting the starting lineup because, I think I believe, of an injury to Zach Levine. And they still haven't cleared a spot for him yet to continue to start. Well, Kobe White? Yeah, is Kobe is Kobe White starting with both of them in the lineup? Yeah. They know they have still got Io DeSumo as well. He's also a really good guard, might I add, former uh, Illini. Mm-hmm.
0: They could have found something have a, sorry,
1: for a- Andre Drummond, but they didn't.
0: Or they chose to ke- keep him, which, again, does not make sense to me. Nothing that the Bulls did made any sort of sense whatsoever.
1: I mean, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't really argue that, Cage. I think. The sad part is, for me, is the Bulls are a team where, like, they're not very good, but they continue to be not very good, and they continue to not do anything. So Mm -hmm. they're very confusing, but I'll be honest, I'm surprised the Warriors didn't do anything. We talked about we've we've heard rumor after rumor after rumor that Klay Thompson needs to be traded. We've heard rumor after rumor after rumor that you know maybe CP3 should be traded away. You know, and and they do nothing. They sit pat on a team that has very much underperformed. They're out of the play in right now. Are the Golden State Warriors at this point in the season? They're right now basically tied for the tenth spot in the. But I play-in. think
2: they're just hoping they figure figure it out because talent wise. That team should not be out of the plan.
1: Yeah, but Cage, you can't just say that. You can't but, just say we'll figure it out. You're fifty also, games into the NBA season, Cage. There's but no you Haven't figured out also, already. Also a
2: new sort of wrinkle that they finally did in which why did it take this long? Podzimski and Kaminga are playing more, especially Kaminga.
0: And I started. think they
2: like Golden State might have figured out something with Kaminga playing as much as he is. I think he went like six or seven straight games of scoring 20-plus points. So they're kind of trusting that they once CP3 comes back, once Gary Payton second comes back for defensive purposes, you would hope Klay Thompson figures it out Andrew Wiggins figures it out. He's starting to figure it out. He's starting to play a lot better. He's starting to play better.
0: I would say he's playing better, but um, it's just like, uh, I get what you're saying, I get what you're saying, but with like an
2: injured CP3, Clay Thompson who's been ineffective,
0: for much of the season, I don't think they would have gotten like much back for them.
1: I don't even disagree with that. I just think that after fifty games, you probably should make a trade. Not I'm not just you make a trade to make a trade, just but find a way to get you know guys an opportunity, Be like mm. Kaminga, like Podzimski. You know, clear up a spot for him, even if it's not Clay Thompson or or CP3 or even Draymond. Find a way to get those guys more minutes. And if that means creating a trade to create a hole that those guys can fill, then do that. Yeah. But I, I just think standing Pat didn't do anything for him. It didn't help him. What mm-hmm. I think is a problem. When you're a team outside of the play-in, when you said, Cage, they shouldn't be outside the play-in. Yep. Like, that should not be a thing we're talking about right now, and it is. Like, the Warriors can make this playoffs. Like, that is an honest reality we're living in right now. The Golden State Warriors, with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, with Draymond Green, with Andrew Wiggins still, a team that's won the championship two years ago, with the exact same team, may not even make the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a problem. And they got better, you'd think, getting rid of Jordan Poole and adding CP3.
2: Yep. And Kaminga playing a
1: whole lot better. Actually playing now. So you know, just confusing, Cage. So I think we'll end with this, Cage, to be honest. So with all of that being said, with all the trade deadline stuff, with all that being done, you went. It looks like Cage from what you show me below here. You went three. You went three and two. Yep. In your uh, picks last week, you, you hit on Cage Cunningham over five and a half assists. You hit on Emmanuel quickly over five and a half assists. You hit over on Bradley Beal, nineteen oh, and a half that, points. Oh, that was the easiest one of the day. Yeah, it was. He had like forty, didn't he? Yeah, I'm like, I even texted you after I saw it. I was like, oh, that was an easy one.
2: Like nineteen and a half against his former team in Washington. Like, come on, that didn't like.
1: Uh, I was, I was befuddled. You were bamboozled. I was bamboozled. So you missed on Jokic over eight and a half assists, and you were actually off on Damian Lillard over two and a half threes, or the two you were wrong on. Yeah.
0: three three out of five ain't bad if you put singles on it. But I'm trying to I'm trying to cook up something right now. It's like hold up, let him cook. Um what I well right, what I'm
1: looking yeah, at right now. Well, as you look and I look, I will finish. Sports betting has rapidly rapidly risen in popularity and I want to connect you with all the opportunities to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sports book accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time in signing up than right now. When you visit our page Signup expert.com slash the outrage. It'll be in the description of this episode. You'll be connected to all sports books in your region, not just us here in Ontario, your region, along with reviews of each platform and its unique benefits. All these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users. And when you register with our link, you will automatically receive the top offers from each individual sportsbook. So not only will you be seeing the best odds when you sign up with these sports books, you'll be getting the best opportunities to sign up with these sports books. And when you use multiple sports books, you insert that you have the best odds on any particular game you want at any given moment. And that is obviously the success to sports betting. Obviously bet what you can lose. Do not gamble responsibly, be of age, all of that stuff, please. And thank you. I beg of you. Yes, sir. As you look through the parlays and I look, through the parlays of a different thing, Cage. So, the Super Bowl is happening tomorrow. This will definitely be up before the Super Bowl, Cage, I hope. Mm-hmm. I will be betting a parlay during the Super Bowl. For sure. All right. So, I'm just looking right now through at what I plan to bet. Because I can tell you for a fact... That I am betting Christian McCaffrey to be the Super Bowl MVP. I have a bet from—I'll actually check exactly when Cage because I made this bet preseason. Even if
0: he's on
2: the
1: losing team, Cajun, I don't want to hear that from you right now. You and I both know the Niners are going to win, and when the Niners win, you Christian also McCaffrey said you wouldn't will blame be. Me if I picked the Chiefs, I wouldn't blame you because the odds are good, but they're going to lose. I'm not saying I'm – pick- I'm picking the Niners. Cage, I picked the Niners to win the Super Bowl, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly when because I have the bet here. Okay, I just got to find it because it's, it, it's still active on my FanDuel account. Okay. I bet the Niners to win the Super Bowl at plus 900 on March 20th, 2023. March 20th, Cage. That's almost a year ago. What did you, how much did you put on it? I put $5. $5 plus dollars payout. Okay. I had a way more outlandish bet than I'm going to tell you. I don't who else would win the Super Bowl right after that? And uh, their season didn't, uh, ironically, Cage, I'll, I'll actually, I'll tell you it because I'll explain. So, you know what the Houston Texans were this year? A young team, freshman, or uh, rookie quarterback, played really well. Yeah. I picked the Carolina Panthers to do that. I picked the Carolina Panthers to win the Super Bowl this year. Because they were 5500 and I was like, $5, who cares? I'll kick that can down the road, and I like Bryce Young. I like Miles Sanders. I like Adam Thielen. I like Frank Reich. You know, I think they can have a turnaround season. I was very mistaken, very mistaken. The Texans were what I thought the Carolina Panthers were going to be. So I will eat that crow, but I will still cage say that a, mu- a year ago I bet the Niners win the Super Bowl, and we are you know 11 months away from or 11 months from that, and they're in the Super Bowl cage. So I feel pretty I feel I feel pretty vindicated right now. Mm-hmm. If I had to be honest, I feel pretty pretty good about myself, Cage. So do you have any any bets you want to recommend to the viewers before we go?
2: I think I got Or the three. NBA. I think I have three. You have three, eh? Two of them are player props, and one of them is actually not a player prop.
1: Ooh. One of them is not a player prop. This is like a first on the showcase, so go ahead. Um, all righty. Yo, this is kind of a hack. But anyway,
2: continue. One of them is Kobe White. You know I love turnovers. You love
1: turnovers? Kobe White over two and a half turnovers. What's he averaging right now, do you know?
2: Well, I know we had five last game, and they're playing against the Magics, a team who forces turnovers.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. And I think... <clears throat> call me crazy for this. Um, I probably will. Um, Pistons plus 16.
1: The Pistons, pl- I mean, the Magic or the Wizards hit last night at plus 18 and a half. So I wouldn't fault you there. But plus the Pistons have won two games in a row.
0: They're playing really well right now. They're playing really, really well right now. But that if you want a but if you want a player prop from that game, as much as I as much as I think he's been
2: playing better as of late.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh no, that even that might be too high even for him too. I was gonna say if Jaden Ivy's at two and a half turnovers, I'd take the over on it, but it's at three and a half, so never mind.
1: Yeah, three and a half is a lot of turnovers.
2: Uh, yeah, there was there's there's a, there a time and place in which I was like hammering Scotty Barnes over on turnovers and you were like you, <laughs> you. <laughs> oh man, hey, amen. Uh, don't hate the player, hate the game.
1: Gotta be honest, Cage. I'm looking at some of these football part, some of these football spreads, and I'm loving them. Like Cage on DraftKings right now, which I know you use. The over/under on Brock Purdy passing yards is one. More- it's two forty-seven and a half. 247 yards. Cage, if the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl, which they're going to win the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is throwing for over 250 yards. No, they're not. I'll say that for free. Uh, Even if they lose, he's throwing over 250. I'm saying that for free. Okay. And by the way, I found the biggest hack, Cage, if you bet other position to win the Super Bowl MVP, you then can bet, or I actually don't know if we actually can parlay that together, but regardless, There's a bet for any position to win the MVP other than quarterback. You can bet the MVP being Christian McCaffrey, and then you can bet running back as the position to win the Super Bowl MVP. All different odds. That's really funny. That's really funny. Damn. Yeah, I I think that's kind of cracked. I think it's kind of cracked. So Uh, what was it? You can bet the individual MVP of the game, like who will win Super Bowl MVP. You can pick the position group that will win the MVP, regardless of team. And you can pick quarterback, win the MVP, or anybody else. Literally any other position on the on the field. Right. Like, you can bet three different ways of me betting Christian McCaffrey to win the Super Bowl MVP. If I want to go that way, Bye, I Will you know? And by the way, I can already bet the 2025 Super Bowl champion, and then I enter to the best odds. That's kind of hype. Uh, I still Ooh. think the Chiefs are going to win it. Got to be honest here, Le- C- Cage. Lions plus 1,200 next year. Kind of like it. Kind of like it. Mm-hmm. But I think the Chiefs are going to win it this year. That's because you're a hater and should be beaten with rocks. No, I just think um, you should be beating rocks, Kitch. You should be beating rocks. Okay, I, I want to hear it. I it.
2: also think as much. Uh, here, let me put it this way. I'd rather have. I can't believe I'm saying this because I like to go against what Spencer says. Because you know, I am just a troll. Yeah,
1: uh, he's a contrarian. Big. Ba- he's. He's a. He's a. He, he's a contrarian built. He's a Skip Bayless wannabe. But anyway, continue. You mean uh, drip Bayless? Yeah, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Anyway, continue, Cage. What, what, what soliloquy were you gonna go on? I would rather have the Niners win over the Chiefs. Who wouldn't, Cage? Who wouldn't? But I, I, only, I don't think there's anyone cheering for Kansas City that's not a Kansas City fan right now. But, but see, here's the thing. I think Vegas might have the Chiefs. Are you trying to lie to me and tell me that you think the game that they're scripted? Do you you try? Is that the argument you're really trying to hit die on right now? That and the Taylor Swift effect. Good lord.
2: Hey. Good lord. I don't like it, but I'm like, you could kind of like, even the Lions and 49ers game. You mean to tell me that that wasn't in any
1: sort of way? No, kind of iffy. No, no, the Lions just suck and can't run the ball. Period. No, but not going for field goals when they should be. They're an aggressive team. That's what they do. They've yeah, done it all they year. Were Fourteen. They were. But that's that they've done it all year. That they're a consistent. They're a consistently aggressive team. I don't believe. I, I don't believe it in that situation to happen twice.
2: Like, come on now.
1: They're an aggressive yeah, two team.
2: Opportunities dude. to go for field goals. One in which it which could have tied the game and one in which could have put you up by more than two possessions and you don't go for it in the back albeit they were there were catchable They were catchable the first one should've been
1: caught. The first one should have been caught. Let, let, let's 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 yeah. let's call it a buck. The, the first one should have been caught. Yeah.
0: But it's just like why do that? Why do that? It was just very odd to me. And
2: keep in mind, keep in mind. Thank you, Spencer, for this. Oh God,
1: I actually took 49ers night after. Like now, dude. now, ladies and gentlemen, okay. And I, I can't show you proof, but I tell everyone this. When they, yeah, they tell me, Spencer, you, you were, you were blanking yourself when the Niners were down 24-7.5, and, and I was like, yeah, I was. But I texted my buddy, who is Cajun Thiru Thany Castleham, at halftime of the Niners versus. Lions game, and I said bet the Niners right now. The odds won't get any better than right now. Going out of half down 24-7 to the Lions, pick them right now, and they're gonna win. And what'd you do, Cage? And what'd you do? I picked them at plus 430. You picked them right after they made the field goal by Jake Moody to make it 24-10, and the Niners went on to win, and I made you some money. I have made you at least $300 from football. I didn't say a penny of it. I even asked for a penny of it. I don't want your pennies, okay? But I want people to know that I also know gambling, and I will say that the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. A, Christian McCaffrey is going to win the Super Bowl MVP, unless they do got quarterback bias, which is possible. But I think Christian McCaffrey will win it because he'll be the difference for the Niners. And I'm looking at some of the other odds, Cage, just for for me. Total sacks for both teams. The Niners is one and a half. I think that's easy over. Easy over.
2: Oh, oh, come on. Like team sacks one and a half. I think that's easy over. It's just one and a half?
1: Yeah, the team sacks is just one and a half, yeah. The Chiefs is two and a half, which I, I'm not as confident in. I think they'll probably hit the two. I'm just not sure if they, if they get the three, but I, I think that will easily hit two. I, I think Bosa will have two by himself, personally. And also, I probably would bet Bosa's sacks over as well, because all of them are 0.25, which I don't know why. 0.25? Yeah, because it has to go over a half, because oh. half a sack is a thing in football. Huh. Which is which? If you don't understand, uh, quickly just explanation. Half a sack is basic, literally just when two guys hit a quarterback, they give both guys a half. They don't give a, a full sack each. Is the logic. But yeah, those are my uh, those are my big props, Cage. My big props are those ones, and my other one, honestly, that like I'm a little bit iffy on, but I definitely am like kind of with, is the over under on AU passing yards. Right now, the over under is I think. 50, Ayuk is 59 and a half, Debo is 58 and a half, and Kittle's 49 and a half. One of them's going over. I just don't know which one. I'm going to say Ayuk, but one of them's going over. I'll say that for a fact. Kittle, Debo, and or Ayuk, one of them's going over 50. Over their over, for sure. But I think that's it for me, Cage, for, for, for bets. to be honest. And I think that's it for the show, as we kind of went into football. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? Um, oh, I think I got one. Wemby over two and a half blocks. Oh, that's, that, yeah. Who are they playing? That's Oh, yeah, that should be pretty good. That should be pretty easy. So,
2: I got Kobe White over turnovers.
1: Yep, two, oh, it was two and a half.
2: Yep, Victor Wembanyama over two and a half blocks. And Pistons plus
0: 16. Honestly, I don't think it would shock me if they won that game. Who are
1: they playing again? The Clippers. I mean, it's kind of a trap game for the Clippers. And we all know their resting habits. Not really. not, not, Not to a degree this season.
2: Like... I know Kawhi's been like the face of load management, but he's been playing in like,
0: like he's he's played a lot of games. Like I know you're probably like a, it's about time. Yeah, I mean it, it is about time, but you know you're right, you're right.
1: Like he's 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 played in back to backs. He's played in games. Wow, he's doing he's he's work he's working cage. He's going to work. What a surprise, going to work. Yes sir. You give him give him a medal.
0: I kind of want to say if
2: if there is a player prop, terms of player combos, maybe take Kawhi's combined over. I know he went under last game, but that was kind of an an anomaly, and nobody on the Clippers really played well in that. Mm. But it's. Over points, rebounds, and assists is thirty-five
0: and a half. Ooh.
1: I mean, I I don't I I think that's pretty good to be honest. I I I don't mind that either. Anything else you want to say before we go? Are you you think you've run out? Yep. Oh, well. And also also shout out to Spencer's boy Jalen. Happy birthday to Jalen. Oh, yeah, my, my bestie's birthday is today, so I'm just literally, at the moment this ends, I'm shaving and going out. So, Cajun will have to be editing this one, so good luck with that, Cajun. So, for Cajun Theru, Thanny Castle, I'm, I'm Spencer Barrett. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Polar Opposites. We'll be back on Monday for regularly scheduled programming here on the Outrage Inc.
0: Go Chiefs.